in our society, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm useless and I'm myopic, but you know how you like teach your kid to like make fires and kill bison or something a long time mm-hmm. ago. I think entrepreneurialism and financial literacy are our latter day bison killing and arrow sharpening. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Today on the podcast, I have a friend of mine, Micah Truman. He has a business that I think has the potential to be a billion-dollar company. He's disrupting the funeral home industry. He's doing it with a new category called terramation. It's essentially turning bodies into soil. He's a founder that's had a really successful career overseas. He could basically stop working, but he's made a big bet on this company return home. And it's fascinating. The traction they've had is pretty insane. Um, since starting 15 months ago, they've been essentially on every press outlet. They've been f- named Funeral Home of the Year. And they have a TikTok account that is really something impressive to watch. So if you're all looking at creating a new category, going into an industry where you know nothing and you're naive, but that can be your advantage, or you want to learn how to make a social media or TikTok account that can put you on the map, he has some really helpful insights that I think could help you. Um, But at the end, he actually gives some good advice for founders starting today and actually how to be a parent and teaching financial literacy to your kids, which I was actually taking notes on at at the very end. But really hope you enjoyed this episode with Micah. All right. We are on episode 101. So I thought it was very fitting to start with someone that's going to talk about the end that is near. But no, I've got a someone I'm lucky to call a friend, Micah Truman, who has a business that I am just blown away with every month when I get to hear updates from him. Because I think this guy has something that is going to honestly impacts everybody and he'll probably be a billionaire or it'll go the complete other direction. But Mike, beyond excited to have you on the podcast, man. Thanks so much, Jim. Really appreciate being here. Micah, how do we know each other? We know each other through our our group. We meet every month and we spend a lot of time together. So we know a great deal about each other, both personally and professionally. So yeah, it's been a, a super intense experience with this particular business crew. And for me, it's been really instructive as like the oldest guy in the crew to be getting help from a much younger bunch, which is something we can talk about later, by the way. No, it's, I love it. It's a very diverse group to say the least. And I love that it's different business models. It's different people, which gives me, I love hearing an outsider's perspective on our business. And I had this at the end, but I'll start with it. We did an update last month and I'm, I'm going through some things, thinking through some big strategic decisions. And I did this share where I'm like, here's what I'm thinking, what I'm going through. I laid out the pros, I laid out the cons. And I thought I like had it all down. And then I was like, what do you think? And I, I somehow like locked eyes with you. You looked at me and you go, Jim, I am exhausted hearing you talk. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. And I was just like, oh, okay. So you want to respond to that? Do you, do you, do you feel good about how you made Sure, absolutely. No, I think maybe, maybe it's because I'm not as analytical as you are. Maybe it's because I laser focus on something that obsesses me and then I do it. One of the things I see in you, Jim, is, is that you almost cast your eyes over the landscape and look for features that stick out and then you go gunning for them, which is a very different approach than I do. It doesn't make it wrong. It just requires a toolbox that I don't necessarily necessarily possess. And I don't know if I'm capable of dealing with that much information inflow. Uh, At a certain point, I get paralyzed, but you seem very comfortable in that environment. So from an outsider, it's like, go get them, young blood. But for me, it's just like, wow, that's a lot, if that makes any sense. I think it shows that I'm about to break is what that means. But I I I don't know about that. Maybe you're looking pretty strong. I will say I love the the focus you have with, with your business and your mission is what I, I want to get to. So mm. we'll, we'll we'll start with that. Just like real quick, what is Return Home, and can you speak at all to the size and scale of your company? 
Sure. So return home. We transform human remains into a, into soil. We take a body with our proprietary methodology, can transform it completely into soil in 60 days. It took us two and a half years to develop the science technology to fabricate the equipment. We've been open for, I don't know, 15, 16 months. I have a team of seven. We have helped almost a hundred families from 15 states from as far away as Hawaii and Connecticut and Toronto. Not that Toronto is a state, but here we are. So it's been really, really powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. So basically, you know, people get cremated, people get buried. And you're saying, I, I think there's a better way. There's another way. And actually, we'll get into how all of that started. But before we go down that path, like, I want to know about Micah before Return Home, because this is pretty crazy where you, you come up with this idea that is truly innovative. Who's the guy behind this that, that came up with this before your Return Home CEO? Sure. So my previous iteration, I've lived most of my life abroad. 30 of my 50 years have been away from America. My dad was a UN diplomat. So I was gone in Africa for most of my childhood. Then I did 20 years in China. And there's been different things that I've done since then. My last iteration as I did, I ran a finance company. We raised capital in China, deploying it in fairly large chunks into real estate projects in the United States primarily Colorado, Aspen specifically, Manhattan and Florida. I did have my, my famous one that got away as I did have the deal to raise the capital for the stadium that was to take the Seattle Sonics when they were coming up from Sacramento. I lost that deal and slept like a baby. Two hours of sleeping, cry my eyes out and sleep for two more. Ultimately, what happened is we did have that deal, but the Sacramento Kings did not get the transfer up to Seattle and the deal got scuttled. Anyway, we began Return Home, we, me and my evil twin Skippy, we began it in January of 2019. The laws were coming through. Our legislation was the first in the world on the planet to legalize this. Not like, I would have thought like, I don't know, somewhere that played like naked soccer, I don't know, Finland. Not that the <laughs> Well, it's cold, they wouldn't. But somewhere like that would possibly use methodology, but we were the first. And so when... The talk began that our legislation was going to legalize this. I began to think about it. Something we don't talk about because we're always obsessed, you know, and this guy made all this money and look, and he made all that money. And I guess the question I ask is, is that worth a shit? Do you care? Why do you care? I'm not trying to be stupid. I'm not trying to say we don't make money. I've made plenty. I lost it too. But really, mm -hmm. is that the barometer now that we use as our end all be all? And the truth is, I think it is. And I think it leaves us empty. We have to do something that's worth something. And I'm not here to judge what that is. Everyone has theirs. But if they're doing something that is inherently of no worth, they in their heart know it. And then there's never enough. You'll never get enough. And I think that that's a problem in our society. My other obsession, I believe that business is absolutely the most efficient structure with which to tackle our world's problems. The hardest money you're ever going to make is a nonprofit, right? Rich guys, they fall in and out of love all the time. They're excited about education of young girls in, in, in developing nations until they find that children are dying of curable illnesses. And there goes the education and here comes the donations for medical supplies. So it's companies, it's business that can scale and make money and do a genuine social good that I think matter the most to me. And that's what drove my decision-making towards return home. Gotcha. So it, it's kind of two things. You see this wave forming of legislations opening up for essentially what is terramation. And then two, you see the positive impact this could have on, on like on the environment. Can you, for people that like are trying to connect the dots, like why <laughs> is doing this terramation, which we've been sure. talking to as a category, why is this better than a burial or sure. cremation? So let's go quickly into our process. As I briefly mentioned, we can transform a body into soil in 60 days using about 90% less, less energy inputs than cremation does. Cremation, and I'm not judging, everyone in my family has been cremated that, I, that I've been witness to. Cremation takes 30 gallons of fuel to perform. It blows 540 pounds of CO2 into the air. 
And the resulting material is not ash, it is ground bone, just so you know. And when you put it in the earth, it's as useful as a bucket of sand. So the folks that are excited about taking their loved one's cremated remains and planting a tree, please make sure you add a lot of topsoil because that particular material has zero value to growing life. Our process, we place a body in a vessel, we surround it with alfalfa, straw, and sawdust. We run a trickle of air through it, enough to power about a fifth of a hairdryer. The body's microbes, the stuff that digests the foods you eat, essentially enables you to transform back to the earth. And in the same way that we can use fire to like toast marshmallows or melt steel, same stuff, different use, we use it in the melt steel variety. The body gets up to almost 170 degrees Fahrenheit with almost no inputs and transforms completely into soil pretty much in about 30 days. There's bone left, which we reduce, reintroduce to the soil, let's sit for another 30 days, and we're able to give it back to the family. The challenge, like we were joking about this earlier, Jim, but we don't need a survey, right? This is, we're not, we're not selling toasters. We're all going to die. And the fact that we have a process that's this unsustainable is going to kill us, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And we absolutely have to come up with alternatives. Why hasn't this been done before? Doesn't this just sound obvious? Because, Jim, if we do that, you and I have to talk about dying. And can't we not? Um, and when we talk about dying, we have to do a couple things. We have to talk about our own death, which we're not usually over enamored of. And much more importantly, we have to talk about the possible death of the people we love. And that in our society is an absolute no-no. And the word that's most commonly used is morbid. That's not morbid. But what it does do is ensure we don't, we don't discuss it. So if this was food or cars, we'd have come up with solutions a long time ago. We have. But this is death. And that means we've been extremely slow because we're scared. Shoot. Mm -hmm. I'm scared. Yeah. I get scared so all the time. And, and to see the impact that it has on the environment, that's something that kind of puts it over the, the hurdle of like, hey, n now is the time, right? So the thing that I'm impressed by is you see the legislation happening and then you're like, hey, I'm going to make a bet and I'm going to test this out. I'm going to raise the money to build a, a massive facility around this. What's your thought process when, you, when you're going down that, are you like, hey, I'm, I'm rolling in Scrooge McDuck money, this is no big deal, or like, wh where are you at? When I started Return Home, I didn't need to work again, and I did not by any means have Scrooge McDuck money, but it meant I could have lived a comfortable, nice life, but for some reason that didn't appeal, and here I am. I think the obsession really is, how do we make this happen. And for those of you that are entrepreneurs and have done this, when you make a really powerful pivot in industry, frankly, you have zero credibility. And I had none. And there's good reason for that. Why should they believe me when I have never worked in the industry? When I first began, I was like, forget it. I just can't do it with funding. And so I personally paid for the first stage of our development, which was a fair amount of money. It went into the seven figures. But from that point, I was able to go out once I had established some credibility, had built a facility, people could see it. That's when we saw people jump in and begin to take part in our funding rounds, because we sound really cuckoo bird in the beginning until you come and see us. <laughs> what? So you're this, you know, business guy, overseas, working in real estate, all of a sudden you're, you're putting bodies in boxes. What are the advantages or disadvantages of being naive going into a new category? I think being naive is very helpful. It gave me a view into the industry that my funeral colleagues didn't have. They were so siloed into a very specific way of working. And we really took them by storm. They really didn't see us coming. And so we are so different than anything that's ever happened before. And my outsider perspective was quite informative in that way. But unlike what I used to do, right, I'd sit on a Zoom call with some alpha male and see if I could nail the deal. In this case, I got to go sit with a family who lost a kid or someone who lost their wife or, you know, and this is a very different day. And it's both really hard and ridiculously beautiful and has given my, I don't know, my life a lot of meaning. For one yeah, of man. And I want to get into that because that, that's, yeah. that, that puts some perspective into life because 
we all just want to look at our spreadsheets and work on stuff. But then you have real life things coming in and out of your office every day. Or not, as the case may be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Not alive things coming in and out. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Oh man, that's great. And so for people to know, can you talk a little bit about the traction? Because you're super humble, but like you guys are just saying funeral home of the year. Like your TikTok account, I was just going through, you're having a like post with over 5 million views, which is a whole nother topic I want to hit on. But like, you have to introduce a new category, which people don't want to talk about, yeah. but you're really starting to see some nice signals. But can, can you give some more color on those signs that showed, hey, we, we might be onto something here? Sure. And Jim, I mean, obviously, you know it better than most anyone out there. When we started Return Home, our technology was excellent and our marketing was garbage, just terrible. And as a owner of a business, I was very accustomed to being competent, to being good at my job, to know the levers that needed to be pulled and to be very capable of pulling them. This was the most humbling thing to walk into the office in the morning and go, I've built it. I've built this facility and it's really good and it really doesn't matter. And I don't know how to fix it. And that was both humbling and terrifying. And that's when I went to our group and our group put me through boot camp on the marketing side. And as luck would have it, we do have a very diverse group of individuals in our ER group. And almost to a person, they are absolutely black belt marketers in their respective, I mean, really accomplished. And so no one had an answer for me, but they were able to give me a toolbox. And one of the things that we began to do was social media. We found that Facebook is a black hole, miserable, soul-sucking waste of time. <laughs> um, and we really began to focus intensively on TikTok, which was very counterintuitive. I didn't do a thing. My staff did. I have two 31-year-old, 32-year-old funeral directors who are really something. And they began to pump out TikToks. And yeah, we have a half million people following us. And their rule was to violate everything that was sacred in the funeral industry, which caused me so much agita. I, I just couldn't handle it. Their whole MO is radical transparency. And that sounds good, right? Yeah, radical transparency. I like it. That's good. Okay, well, what happens when a person dies? How do we get them out of a house if they're stuck in it? A person's mouth's open when they die. How do they close it? And I get it, right? Oh, that's really like weird. And why do we want to talk about that? I'll tell you why. When someone loses their loved one and they go to their funeral and their mouth is open, it's a terrible experience for them. It scars them. And they really wish they knew why that could have been fixed and how it could be done better next time. So what we've done is to be completely transparent in an industry that's very, very focused on showing nothing. And it's led to wildfire in essence. And I get scared every freaking day by what they do. <laughs> well, to a point where I had to pull myself out of the review of the videos. I was no longer allowed to approve them. Really? Just because the team, what I love is it sounds like your strategy is anchored around one kind of mission, bringing transparency to an antiquated industry that is normally right. very much behind the curtain. That's and right. so with that thing in mind, once your team locks into that, they're probably just overflowing with ideas. But you have Endless. concerns from a million reasons. I'm like, oh, let's not do that because right. X, Y, Z. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, for example, you know, my team will just make a leap. They'll go, yeah, we're going to show how a body goes through our facility. But you're not allowed on TikTok to show a body. And we're not allowed to show a body. I mean, of course you cannot do that. Great. Order a skeleton from Amazon. Let's use that. You know, no, like, no, yeah. no. So, but they do it. And, and, and I think that allows for a really different perspective that the world hasn't, hasn't seen. Yeah. And I mean... To be honest, people that want to know more about like, honestly, how to put on a masterclass with TikTok, go to the account. I mean, <laughs> you have multiple posts over 3 million, 5 million. And it's very mm. true. It's like educating on what terramation even means. I love you're doing this whole series on like funeral scams. But the thing that's genius is it's not like, like oh, we're going to be good at TikTok. Let me go overpay for a TikTok expert. Like, no, we see an opportunity for great content. We're going to let the people that know our industry just go ham on this account and see what happens. That's um, right. It's 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 really impressive, and I think anyone that that's trying to think about a creative TikTok strategy or any social media strategy, like there, there's a lot to learn from what you guys are doing. But I'll be honest, like it, it looks really good and professional. Like, how many people are managing this? 
we don't we don't have anyone who manages. I'm sorry, of course we do. Bree and Katie yeah. manage our account, but Bree and Katie are also taking care of our families and putting decedents in vessels. We believe powerfully in keeping it in the company, and I have zero intention of outsourcing because they don't get it. Nobody that wasn't a funeral director could do this in the way that they can. Uh-huh. They wouldn't even know where to start, you know, yeah. like Brian Katie walk in and they're just like, you know, I mean, like, we don't know the basics. Like, do you guys know what an autopsy looks like and what happens when someone's autopsied? Well, Brian Katie would really like to do a series on that. Well, how can you even do a series on that if you don't know what this entails? And so yeah. this kind of stuff is important. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders. Plus, it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs. That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the qualities there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to inside.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Inside. Let me know what you think. The, the other thing that you've done that's pretty genius is I'm a big fan of the 22 immutable laws of marketing and chapter two. It's like, if you aren't number one in your category, create your own. You're catching this wave at a time where you all can own this category. You literally have trademarks around things around this. That's correct. Um, Talk about like, how intentional were you with that, with creating this moat around your business with this category creation? Yeah, we we want this moat. We especially want it because this is an industry that's utterly commoditized. You could give two craps about what the funeral industry has for you. And the only time you're going to pick up the phone and do it is when you've lost your loved one and your world is coming apart. And then you're going to pick the name of the company that you were driving down the road and saw, and it's somehow in your brain. Or you don't even know that. You're going to call your friend and he or she is going to tell you a name. It is the most undifferentiated, generic, undisloyal group of customers we could we could imagine. Or I should say, it, it's a generic industry in which our customers feel very little loyalty. And so the solution is to turn it completely on its head and make our people fanatically loyal. I really want to talk about something that's really sacred to us. And it's one that, again, I, I, one of the most hard things for me is to watch the best and brightest young people get so psyched about doing something. And I never once hear why it matters, why it matters. And I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to be that boring guy. I'm just saying we have this world and it's so finite and we only have so much resource. It is our job as business people to scale the hell out of our business and do intense good while we do it. And somehow or another, we that that lesson's been been missed and I wish we could. So what differentiates us? We have to match ethics to our business. I am not saying this to be airy fairy. I am not saying to be like, look, I'm a great guy. Let's go straight from a business standpoint and then we'll go to ethics. Two of the things we're doing this year, people who take their own life by suicide and children we don't charge for. It's very important to me that that happens, but let's leave that alone for a moment. That is extremely good business. Log on to KUOW at eight o'clock tonight and they're gonna be featuring us and talking about us exactly for this. And they'll be showing exactly how we do it and why. And KUOW calls us because we are doing something the world hasn't seen. So purely business, if you are showing incredible ethics, 
matched with your business. People are going to care deeply. And then let's get into the human aspect. I raised a quarter billion dollars of finance in China and deployed it. And when I quit that job, no one knew I'd quit it. And the reason they didn't know is it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Some other dude's doing my job or three and they're doing great at it. And who gives a shit? So let's do something that's valuable. So now let's leave the marketing behind, which is absolutely black belt. If you've got powerful values that underpin it and then talk about the ethics. When I run a system like this for my team and my staff can come in and do this for these families, they will kill themselves to win. They will kill themselves to win. So now I have marketing that people are, I mean, I've, we've been across the planet in terms of our press. We've been obviously very strong with our social. And then we have a mission-driven staff that is ready to do anything it takes to win because we have a mission that matters. Finally, I get to get up in the morning and I feel good about what we're doing. And yes, we run a chance of absolutely dominating the space as a business as a result. And that is about, you know, scale and money. We can have it. We can do both. Let's try. I, I totally agree. And that comes back to the point around a lot of people you want to do good, go work for a nonprofit. And not to say it's not a, an amazing path to go down where you can't have a big impact, but going down the route of a profit first business that's aligned with the mission, like the the impact could be profound. And I don't know, I'll be honest, even as you talk, I selfishly think of myself because I'm making an agency that is helping people hit their goals of growing a business, but it's like, what is the real impact of that? And I don't know if that comes with maturity as you like are a business owner, but no, man, it's, 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 it's something that people need to really have perspective on. Cause you get so caught up in the day to day about like, Oh, let me just like get a win. And maybe even like for selfish reasons, but it's like, what's that true impact that, that you're having, you know? We have a societal problem, Jim. If you make a ton of money, everyone's going to clap. And it actually doesn't matter how you make your money. They're going to clap anyway. And if we actually clapped when things were worthwhile, you might think twice, but they don't. And so you're going to get all that recognition just for the monetary reward. And I'm not trying to say that just as like, oh, it's a nice thing to do. Like, this is going to let our children have a world <laughs> that's worth living in. But we all talk it, but it's so, I don't know, it just doesn't happen. Man, it's it's crazy. And so the other thing that I'm interested with your business, like I have companies where we're selling pants and dresses and t-shirts. You see an ad, you can do a transaction right away, right? Like with return home, I'm like, oh, I'm interested, but like, hopefully I don't have to use you for a very long time, right? So it's- Yeah, you're the guy. We are the person that hopes you never call us. <laughs> yeah. So talk about like, how you manage like building this brand awareness, like your close time could be very long or when people all of a sudden need you, it is instant, right? So it's like proactive versus reactive. And Mm -hmm. meanwhile, you're trying to talk to investors and show traction, Mm -hmm. but like, how do you balance that? Yeah, great question. So in the very beginning, obviously, just to give our terms clearly, guys, we have pre-needs and at-needs. Pre-needs, I'm the poster child. I'm not too old. I'm certainly not young. I'm 50 years old. It's time for me to pre-purchase something that allows, if I die, for me to be taken care of or for my wife or even for my mother. So that's a pre-purchase. It's a very different set of behaviors. I research it carefully. I look around and make sure it's the one I want. I look at budgets. Okay, so that's pre-purchase at need. That's when my loved one has died. And I am absolutely in the biggest hurry you can possibly imagine. And I need to do this in the next hour. And I have a million things besides the fact that I'm in obviously incredible pain. At need, let's talk about that. When someone does that, you have five minutes to talk to them. They will pick up the phone. We've added a number of different channels and they're important. One of the most important is we have an online chat. Our rule is we'll answer that chat any time of day, 365 days a year. Someone who's lost their person is often incapable of talking. They can't, I don't mean, I mean, they they can't even get words out, but they can often type. Uh, And so chat is something that happens a lot. Phones are often, like my response would be phone. I would pick up the phone. And if anyone put me on hold or gave me an answering machine, I'm going to hang up and call somebody else. Again, phones, we answer them 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, and only our team answers them. Finally, there's email and those come through too, which means we usually have 90 second turnarounds on our, on our at needs line. If that happens, 
the fourth and we're working on it. And it's incredible. I never would have believed it possible, but it's true. People don't want to talk to anybody and they want to swipe a credit card and they want someone to be picking up their loved one in the next two hours. And that's a major one. And we are working on the systems to do that. So there it is. In terms of pre-needs, just to go in quickly, we thought it was a a small sideline. We're probably going to sell the better part of a million dollars of pre-needs in this year. I think we can triple that the following. 29-year-olds in Miami are buying it. It's incredible. But that's a testament to our methodology and what we do and its uniqueness. That's amazing. And just building out that infrastructure to have that response time, because that is make or break, right? But you've got to have it. You do. And, and, and the nice thing about our industry is that our funeral directors are the hardest working people you'll ever imagine. So in a lot of industries, if you said to someone who worked in finance, you better get up at three in the morning if the phone rings with, you know, tell you where to go. In my industry, they'll be like, yeah, I'll, I, I will do that. Wow. Uh, suit me, yeah, put me in coach. So it has been a pretty remarkable bunch of guys. Dude, that, that that's amazing. So one thing that I'm interested in, like you're in an industry that that is dealing with death. How do you manage your own mental state? Cause I'm, I'm a softie. Like I'll be watching father of the bride or I watch toys, toy store. I get teary eyed. I don't know, like managing my own state going through all of this, but are, are there things you've been able to do to kind of, you know, stay cool and calm in those situations? It's not about cool and calm. It's about being functional. And no, the answer is I'm not always. I'm, as I said, I'm 51. I'm a guy. I worked in industries where it was not commonplace to cry. I don't think I ever did. That would be bad. I don't think anyone would appreciate that. I was unprepared for all of you guys who are entrepreneurs, and I'm sure many of you listening are. You sit in a room and you have an idea and then you build it and then it becomes to some extent a reality. Mine was this. And then one day they put a dead body on a gurney and brought it into my office and she was young and she was autopsied. And yeah, that was very powerful to me. And yeah, I cry all the time. And my, my, my staff laughs at me, but, but I'm human. I am not a trained funeral professional. If someone brings me, you know, their 10 year old child and he weighs 63 pounds and he has his stuffed animals in his box with him. Yeah. Yeah. I will cry. And so maybe I won't later, maybe I'll be better, but those are, are hard things and balancing that in my, and this goes back again. I think we're sometimes shielded from the consequence of our work. If we're doing things and we're doing it in a vacuum and we're doing it on Zoom and we're picking, packing and sending and doing all these things, we don't have touch with it. But in this case, I do. And it's it's a real blessing. But there's going to be a lot of things that I have to work through to, to do it with less bumps, maybe. Man. Dude, I, I totally admire just like what you're going through day in and day out and like the success you've had. It's, it's beyond <laughs> impressive and going to like a completely foreign industry. It's like, yeah, let me let me go and figure out that industry that's been around since the dawn of time and hasn't been disrupted. Yeah, let me let me jump on that one. But, but there's great beauty in it, too. You know, like everyone's like, oh, it's always so rough and like, darn, you know, it sure is. But it's also really nice. Like when people walk into our facility, it's the brightest thing that happened to them in the hardest time of their life. Like this is the nicest thing that happens. And we can get into that in a bit. But yeah, there's so much beautiful. Like I had a hundred people in my facility yesterday, a largely Filipino crew. They cooked this huge feast. They had their grandpa there. And I mean, for me, like, wow, I mean, I missed the Seahawks game and I got to sit with these incredible people. It was it was beautiful. Can you talk about that? Because I think one thing that it seems like it's happening is, you know, whenever the the body comes, people come with it. And it sounds like the facility wasn't prepared for that, but you all have leaned into it. And people should really look at the the amazing like video that shows your facility where (laughs) it's become almost a hangout for these families to mourn and celebrate. And you all have really leaned into that. Yes. And that was hard. I come from a, you know, a fairly Jewish background, not religious, but we're not down with putting bodies in boxes and painting them and walking by in a line. Like we hate that stuff. Uh, uh, so it was very hard for me when my staff was like, we want to start putting our people in the vessels and we want the families to come visit. Cause for me, that's like, that ain't it. And what we found really quickly was it wasn't It was not what people think. It was not come here and see your person painted and walk by them. It's go say bye to them. And you can sit next to them and hold their hand. And 
that's something we don't really do. We have, we've quarter pounder with cheese, this business. We sit with our person, they die. It was hard and good and bad and probably all of the above. And then suddenly in come the folks with a plastic bag. They take that person away and they give you a bag of ash 72 hours later. There is nothing as dislocating as that. When we ask our families where they suffer the most, it's almost without exception that it's when that process happens. So 80% of our families come to say bye to their person. And that includes a bunch of Jewish people. And that to me is unbelievable. So what happened was when we were first building our facility, there was a dude, he was fixing the cracks on our floor. He had his Trump truck outside. It was like, geez, you know, different world. You know, he walked in, he's like, I hear you're, you're turning bodies into dirt. And I'm like, you know, I am. And I was waiting for like, yeah, and, and, and you suck, you know? And, and he's like, you know, I just, I just took my daughter to the crematorium last week and she was 20 and I'm her dad. And I wasn't going to let her go there alone. So I went with her and I hate that place. I hate that place. I didn't want to take her there. I didn't want her to be there. I didn't want to be there. So let me tell you, you know, let me ask you something. If I'd have brought my daughter to you, could I have put my daughter in one of the vessels? Could I have said bye to her and held her hand? And I was like, yeah, yeah, you could. She's like, well, okay. So you use, you use organics, alfalfa, straw, sawdust. Could you put some flowers in there? I was like, yeah. He's like, how about a lot of flowers? Cause I wanted to put a lot of flowers. I was like, totally. And so we realized really quickly that our families, as long as it's organic, I mean, like a Twinkie is not organic, right? Mm-hmm. But if it can go through your gut, it can go through my vessel. Yeah. So put people are putting like, I don't know, flowers and love letters. And I saw a joint in somebody's hand. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've seen all kinds of different things, I, a bad scotch, and they, they take the bottle out. And that's been really beautiful. And then what we saw, because we hadn't designed it, is people began to stick stuff on the outside of the vessel, pictures and lights. You know, a group of kids who'd lost their friend would walk in with a bucket of Kentucky fried chicken and like stick two pieces on top. You know, we'd leave it there for like, you know, like a night max. But, you know, it's it's pretty incredible to see what happens there. And, and that's sort of how it organically grew. The difference is this. If someone loses their person, they don't care. They'll tell you exactly what they want. Like, Jim, you're a really sweet guy. And I think you'll say nice things until you lose your person, by which time all you're going to say is what you want. And you got about a month of that. And that's instructive. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think as a business owner, you always crave feedback and to know what people think. And you you catch people at a state where you're going to get that and you get it in a very direct way. And how you guys have leaned into that is is, is really impressive. But that has to be so unexpected. You're like, oh, wow, I did not expect this. Okay, let's see how we can help. It does, but it's also really stressful and frightening. Like my facility was ugly. It was built like Costco. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> Our intent was, you know, you don't know me. You don't care to know me. That's not personal. You've lost your person. I'm going to, you trust me. I'm going to transform them into soil. You don't know anything and I'm going to give you it back and we're straight. And our reality was so different, but like, imagine a mother who loses her 22 year old and she walks in and she has her chair and she wants to sit next to her child's vessel and our facilities, not nice, not warm. Like the whole time she's sitting there, I'm like, I suck. Uh, It's very visceral. It's different than like, I'm looking at my spreadsheet and I really feel that optimization is important, (laughs) right? I'm like, I suck. And this woman needs this stuff and we got to do it. And so that required obviously rejigging our entire front of house. Wow, man. But it's cool that you have responded to that. that We try. Yeah, that's so cool. And so- well, what, what advice would you give to people that are literally doing this kind of moonshot, like what you're going through right now, where you're, you, you've really made some, some bold moves in this direction to a category you didn't know about, you've had some great success, but if you're starting over again, if you're starting today, like, well, what advice would you give to yourself or somebody going down this path? I was watching, I forget, it was like a month or two or three ago, might even be longer. There's this really famous clip from, what is his name? You know, a, is it Scott Galloway, Professor Galloway, the guy that's, yeah, he's a big name. And, and yeah. he has this, his biggest clip is, come on, guys, don't, don't chase your dreams. It's such bullshit. Like, go out, do what you're really good at. You know, if smelting is your deal, be a smelter. Let's go. And from there, you can go do with the world as you will. And I, I love that guy and I absolutely hate that statement. And the fact that it sounds so credible pisses me off even more. Here's the deal. The starting gun goes off. You've got 80 years on the outside. You might go shorter. You might go longer. But even the longer side ain't that fun. 
In that 80 years, you must do things that are worthwhile. And you have to chase the things that matter to you. And we've been told we're not supposed to. And we've somehow inculcated that. And we've also been told we can do jobs as long as it pays a lot, that they're awesome. You know what? Investment banking, don't get me wrong. There's a couple guys that would really like investment banking. But for the most part, investment banking is shit. And most of the people do it fucking hate it. <laughs> tax law. Tax law is shit. Forgive me. There's a couple people who like tax law. I'm not logged. I'm sorry. I'm going to get myself in terrible trouble here. But at the same time, I mean it. Most people aren't doing these jobs because they go to that job and like it. They go to that job because someone told them it was great and then they get paid. And someone said to them, if you make all that money, people are going to think you're awesome. And then they're going to sit there at 50 or 60 and go, I just got duped, man. And, and we talk about midlife crisis. Midlife crisis is we look over your shoulder, having done all the things the world told you you were supposed to do, and you go, this is it? Like, this is as good as it got? And the fact that we got our professor Galloway's telling us to do that pisses me off. So no, mm -hmm. my belief, go for the things that matter to you. Make sure they do matter to you. Go after them with great intention and succeed. We're entrepreneurs. We can do the impossible. Why can't we do the things we love and that matter? Like, and I think we need to go for that. Good, I love it. You're getting me fired up over here. I might be coming to return home and- <laughs> And I got tax in. lawyers and then everybody be like, yeah. I got, I'm coming yeah. for you. You better yeah. have your wife start the car in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> your, your, your accountant, your, your law, legal bill just doubled. Yeah, exactly. That's, okay. That's like, oh dear me, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I do know a lot of investment bankers and, and I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. We'll be sure to send this to them. Yeah, exactly. Give me so, the highlights. I'm, I'm always interested to ask this question, but what what is the nicest thing anyone's done for you in your professional career? All without exception, been in this last year of my life. And it happens so frequently that it's kind of mind-blowing. You know, like you'll get a two women walking in, a gay couple. They don't really know what we are. They've lost their person. They're pretty careful around me. And they sit there with their person and they spend two hours. And at the end, they're like, do you mind if I, if I put my arms around you? And I'm like, I'm good. Let's go. Give me some sugar. The people will say things to me that no one ever said to me. They say how much they appreciate what we do. They said that they had the worst week of their life and this is the nicest thing. They always ask to give me a hug. Dude, you got to understand, this is not my world. I, I didn't come from this world. So if it sounds fluffy, forgive me. I just didn't know I was in for this. So the, the kindnesses that are shown me, when people have nothing, when they've lost the person that matters to them most in the world, and they are just on fire, and they stand there in front of you and go, I really appreciate you. Would you give me a hug? It means actually they appreciate me and they'll give me a hug. And I've done some deals in the past and no one, no one said that to me. <laughs> So the, the human response, I guess, from what's happened has been life-changing to me. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're selling a product or service and getting like a response like that is, is really the ultimate kind of win, I guess. Here's a, here's a weird one for you, Jim. And again, this goes back, you know, there's a lot of companies that have done this, some with more success than others. I think the poster child for it is Tom's Shoes. They had a very simple rule, right? Buy a pair, we give a pair, thank you. Pretty freaking good and real solid. And man almighty, did they do well with that. Again, that's a classic example of doing well and good. We put one in that was, uh, we, you know, we'll care for kids under the age of uh, 18 at no cost. And that one had ramifications that I'd never conceived of. Really? Yeah. And, and that's really beautiful too. And to have a parent come to you and go, you know, I'd like to be very clear about why I appreciate what you did is again, something that I never had before. Dude, that, yeah, that, that, that's amazing. And that stuff that when you're mission driven, stuff like that just totally aligns with what, what you're going after. And Kind of in closing, it's always funny. You and I compare notes. I've got two young kids, five and three. Our house is a circus. This morning <laughs> was, was Vietnam trying to get out the door. You, you have older kids that are independent and like they're doing yeah. their own thing. And you're just trying to like, hey, can, can we hang? Yeah, like, yeah. 
for for people with younger kids, like what what perspective would you give as you have kids kind of on the way out? It's like becoming yeah. adults. Actually, could I be specific? I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I was yeah. an entrepreneur when I had young kids, very young, and I'm still. One of the coolest things that's happened with me in my entrepreneurial journey is I've always included my kids. And so, you know, like I remember my son sitting with a developer when I was a little kid, when he was a little kid, trying to figure out what a cap rate was and, and you know, <laughs> and how the how the capital stack went. And by the way, could we go play after he was done? And now, yeah, you know, he knows about bodies and boxes and he explains that to his friends too. It lends itself to a very different perspective, I think, for Mm -hmm. a kid when they're able to see that. And and I think some of our some of my friends have really hid their kids from it Mm because our life sucks so bad sometimes that it's sometimes like I'm not going to show them. My solution's been radical transparency on that side too, including money. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very, very categoric about money, financial reports, net worth, cash outlay, immediate impact in terms of our day-to-day life when we do certain things, like if we're going to try certain things. And I think that's lent itself to a very different perspective. That's really good. Could you give, could you go deeper on that, on talking about money with your kids? Because I- I'm not there yet, but it's something that I think about on like, when is the right time to like, hey, this is like making money and here's expenses and here's profit and here's how we manage that. Like savings and, oh, we're going on this trip, not because we like, you know, scratch and sniff the happy meal. It's like, hey, we work for this or like, how how do you do that? Because you want to, I don't know, you don't have these spoiled brats, but you also, you know, want them to understand how to the value of the dollar. Well, I mean, there's two, a couple different ways, right? So yeah, radical transparency, right? And also financial literacy. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between, I mean, in the same way that you run your business, right? You've got equity, you've got debt, you've got cash. Um, You can be rich, but cash poor, and that can actually finish you off. So no, I'm very categoric. In fact, I sat there last night and we went through the entire balance sheet with my uh, 17 year old. Wait, Um, sorry, is this the balance sheet of your business or of like your family and like his stuff? Oh, wow. My family. So, the, so your kids know all of your family's personal finances. My son, especially, he has the most interest. He knows our our net worth probably to the nearest hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, wow. But again, and let me be really clear: one of the things we do is, you know, how it's like, well, we're not rich, but we work hard. Actually, we've been really lucky. We're pretty, we're pretty wealthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, I put great risk at what we do, and I try to quantify that for my sons mm-hmm. as well. And there's yeah. risk in that, and he has to be able to deal with that. But the other thing I do is I don't give my son money. And so one of the things I see wealthy people doing with their kids that's weird is they go, we're not wealthy. We work very, very hard. And so when I give you this $2,000, you know, Mm. Bobby, I want you to spend it carefully. (laughs) How about we don't fucking give them the money and go make them get a fucking job? How about that, Bobby? And I think we don't need to talk all this crap. Go Mm -hmm. make, get a job. So Highland had to get a job last year and the year before. And then, and then he has money. And if not, well, I guess, I guess he can't go out as much. I think wow. we just have to make them go do stuff. I love that. That's yeah. My wife and I talk about that because her and I both had so many horrible jobs in high school and college, but it's like never had us parents for money, you know, and that's something you just want to like ingrain from the start. But I love how transparent you are because one, you're going to get their interest because it's the family's like your money, but then it's really showing them that financial literacy so they can have better decisions. I mean, I was a finance major. I went to investment banking. I didn't know anything about personal finance until I started reading books after college. And I'm oh, like, I just dissed you all, all the finance guys that are your buddies. I'm sorry. Oh, man. yeah. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. it's funny how I, I did exactly what we did. I was in investment banking. I was like, this stinks. Why am I doing this? Oh, people told me that was what to do. I was like, I'm oh, out. Look, I was like, this I'm is out. Yep. Miserable. Yep. Yep. No. So financial literacy is a big one and I don't see the need for secrets. Mm-hmm. I don't. What, what are we going to tell our kids? Why do we make the choices we make? What, what, what is it that we did that, that requires the things that, you know, that we're up to, you know, like I choose to make this following set of investments. It puts us in a disfollowing position. Mm-hmm. It means we can't do the following things and we have the following exposure. And by the way, if I blow it, we're losing it. And here's the number. Oh, wow. So you'll say that like, hey, we're going to make this investment in real estate or an XYZ. Oh, yeah. And like, here's how I'm thinking through it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you'll turn it around and go, what do you think? Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. What do you think about making a real estate investment? And he'll, you know, and, and I think he'll have a really different perspective on it sometimes. And sometimes we'll disagree. He's like, bad call, dude. 
And I'll be like, all right, you know, we agree to disagree. Yeah, it's so good to see them form opinions themselves, right? So, And actually, they know, it's really interesting. They know a lot of different things. Like, they know how to be doing a lot of their own. I mean, our kids, I mean, I hope that, you know, our kids are are incredibly capable. I mean, I see this in our society. You know, how like, I don't know. I mean, I'm useless and I'm myopic. But <laughs> you know how you, like, teach your kid to, like, make fires and kill bison or something a long time mm-hmm. ago? I think entrepreneurialism and financial literacy are our latter day bison killing and arrow sharpening um that's i cannot agree more (laughs) (laughs) anyway here we are that 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 is so good and it's so true because that's everything i know i I want my girls to know how to like build a website how to drive traffic to it and monetize it and then we're we're good to go my job is done and no one's going to give you a job let's say because the economy is proper garbage or you 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 decided to become a certain skill set and suddenly mm-hmm. you know my friends who are journalists don't have jobs oh, what now how yeah. do you retool and our ability to pivot especially in a world that i think is increasingly fast moving is, is is pretty pretty important yeah no that's so good well micah we have gone over i apologize but dude this is so fun you got me fired up i i love it if people want to learn more about you learn more about return home where should they go Sure. So go to returnhome.com, which is our website. Go to returnhomenor, which is our TikTok handle. Type in human composting in Google and click on news. And there's a lot and a lot of it's on us. Or, well, you can't do it because it's tonight, but eight o'clock tonight <laughs> on KUOW, baby, it should be, I should be going. That's right. Showtime. I love it. Well, I I will set my DVR because I'll be out trick-or-treating. It is Halloween. Oh, yeah. Um, There's that. Have fun. (laughs) Awesome. Micah, thank you so much, man. I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthHit has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders. Plus, it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs. That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the qualities there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to inside.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Inside. Let me know what you think. 